0: Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.
1: In the week that saw Sharif leave Love Island, the Duchess of Cambridge get her hands dirty on Blue Peter, and Piers Morgan's rest of the world team win Soccer Aid, this is Series Linked. I'm Emma Bullymore from the TV Times and this is Mark Jeffries from The Mirror. Hiya, Jeffers.
2: Hey, how's it going, Emma?
1: Good, good, thank you. On this week's episode of the podcast dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand, Joe Joiner is here in the Series Link studio to chat Ackley Bridge. We look ahead to George Clooney's latest TV project on Channel 4 and Gabby Logan shares her box set to watch before you die. You're listening to Series Linked. The podcast for TV fans by TV fans. Hi, Jeffers. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. How are you going? Good, thanks. Uh, everyone's talking about Love Island still. I have to say, I have stopped watching it.
2: Yeah, I'm. am still watching it. To be honest with you, um, it's quite difficult. I expected so much better. <laughs> <from
1: Jeffers. laughs> Let's move on to something wholesome and clean. This is ITV's latest period drama, Beecham House, which starts this weekend. ITV constantly searching for a Downton Abbey substitute. Jeffers, what is this and could it possibly compare?
2: I mean, it might work for some people. Yeah, it's starting on Sunday night. It's um, set in 18th century Delhi and it's all about a key character called John Beecham. He's played by Tom Bateman. He's just taken over a mansion in Delhi, as I say. He's a former soldier and it's all about his new life. Uh, The first episode starts with quite a lot of mystery. There's a baby knocking around. Um, There's (laughs) a baby knocking around. Well, it's not really... It's quite an interesting thing because he's there with a child and it's not really explained. There's a mystery about who's the mum, is the mum there... Is it first of all, is it his baby as well so that, so there's a lot of unanswered questions, but he's sort of set up a bit like a sort of pole dark character, if you like, and then at his new house he's also got a lot of staff there, and so you've got your down to element there in the sense of an upstairs dancer situation, so it really smacks to me of something where they're trying to get elements of other really hip period dramas and trying to put them together in, into one big drama um for me, it, it only partly worked, um but I don't know what did you think?
1: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? They're making him out to be this. In way, one way, he's mysterious, but in another way, he is heroic and moral because there's a lot of talk about the Eastern India Company and colonialism. And he's saying, No, I want to trade, but I want to do it really fairly. I want India to be ruled by the Indians. And he's all you know, squeaky clean in that way. And Tom Bateman's great. They had him, he was in ICV's Vanity Fair as well. And I think he, he's really good as a leading man. And I was intrigued, I wanted to know more about him. But immediately it wasn't Downton. And I know that's really harsh to compare it because obviously when you're watching Downton to start with, you're not thinking, is this going to be the best thing ever? Because it's just a new thing, you know. Um, but uh, it kind of lacks any real humor, which for me is a bit frustrating. It's a little bit twee in places. There's a girl that he falls for who, what is it she wants? I really miss the raspberry creams of Devon. It's just oh, Come on, mate. Like, I I don't know. It just, it, it does feel, I mean, it does feel very Sunday Night ITV. I think it's going to find its audience and it's, you know, they shot it in India and it's beautiful. But I don't know, slightly intrigued, but not absolutely hooked, I would say.
2: I mean, for a start, I'm not a massive period drama fan, so I'm not going to be this target audience for this and I'm maybe not the best person to review it, so i take your lead on it. But for the first sort of 30 minutes, 40 minutes of this, I felt the pacing was quite slow. I know that's quite predictable with period drama. I found that sometimes with Downton as well. But I felt there was a real injection of sort of interest at the end when we had Leslie Nichol joining. She comes in as Henrietta Beecham. She's uh, John's mum and she just seemed a bit more theatrical. There was a bit of emotion in in her character. She hasn't seen a, her son for a long time. She's obviously gets involved in all this mystery and the unanswered question and she wants some answers straight away. And I felt that it, it, the pace picked up then and I think she's going to be a big part of second episode and, and, and as we go on. So I felt that was a really good introduction. She's a good character to have there. But yeah, I'm not sure if it, it definitely doesn't feel like to me straight away that it's going to be a Downton. There were so many characters that we that we loved in that. I appreciate it's going to take time to to get to know and love these characters. But I didn't immediately feel there was there was that many lovable characters. That said, I do think it, there will be an audience for this. It, it, it looks very nice. You know, Tom Bateman is a, is a good looking guy. I'm, sh- I'm sure there's going to be a few million people watching this.
1: He's very charismatic. But I think the thing we're down to was that it had quite a lot of elements of a soap in it. A lot happened. There's a lot of drama, actually. And so obviously you had all these characters from another century and they have their, their morals of that time and all that kind of thing. But really some of the, the pacing was much more modern and it felt like something different was going to happen every episode and it was really... It was kind of a modern take on a period drama, whereas this reminds me of a lot of old-fashioned period dramas where you can kind of see where they're going, You kind of see that this is the hero, this is the pretty girl. and I think there's still people that want to watch that and still want to see something beautiful on their screens, but I think it's lacking something for me.
2: I find it really odd to watch uh, all the female parts in this to be quite subservient to, to the men. I appreciate that's obviously what it was like at the time, and it's in keeping with the period it, it's, it's shot in. But in 2019, it, for me even, it just feels odd to be seeing, you know, the macho men and then having, you know, a lot of the women just asking what to do, or wanting to be married. And then you've got um, lots of servants and it, it just clangs a bit with me to to even watch this kind of thing anymore. So. It's it's probably not one for me, but I think it would be one for lots of other people, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and yeah, again, it's not fair to just constantly compare it to Downton Abbey, but that was something that Downton did really well, strong female characters. And something that Pride and Prejudice did really well, so it's not impossible in a period drama. Anyway, maybe if you love your period drama, check it out, but mm, it's a kind of Maybe for us. We're
2: on the fence, I think, on this one. Yeah. yeah
1: but moving across to Channel 4, George Clooney's latest project. I always want to say, oh my God, it's another Hollywood star coming to TV, but obviously, <laughs> you know, ER that was, was his time, thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Catch 22. This is the adaptation of the Joseph Heller novel. What did you make of this, Jeffers?
2: Yeah, it's a little while since I actually watched it because um, I actually watched it in the cinema of George Clooney. Of course you did. Um, Were you like
1: sharing chalk ices and popcorn?
2: I'd love to say that was the truth, but he was a couple of rows behind. But he did did speak a lot afterwards about it. It's a passion project for him. He's also directed some of the episodes. Um, I think because he was involved in the production, he helped get some of the budget in because it it does feel very shiny. It feels quite filmic. We say that quite a lot about TV these days, I suppose, but it does feel like a, a huge six-part war film. The good thing about this, though, is, is like the novel, I think there's quite a lot of humour in it as well, so it's, it's not just sort of six hours of, of planes shooting each other. And, 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 I, and I did really enjoy it. I think it's, it's really good. I think if you like war films or if you like Clooney, there's enough humour in it to watch it for him as well. What did you make of it?
1: Well, I'm billing it a Sexy Blackadder, which okay. I think it is, because it's about this young, hot pilot who... No, they don't play on the fact that he's hot, but he is hot. Um, kind of just trying to find any way to get out of the war. And it's craziness, just like Blackadder did in the fourth series, you know. And can, can I pretend to be crazy? Can I get my leg shot off so that I can go home? Anything. Um, but it is. It's darkly comic. It's shot beautifully. I just thought it's a slightly odd... I mean, did George Clooney say why he wanted to pick this book? Of all the classic books... It's very male.
2: There's nothing, as far as I'm aware, there's one film that was, was reasonably well received, but other than that, it's never really been tried before on TV, certainly something of this length. Um I understand was the screenplay was already written and was passed over to him and he's always really enjoyed the book and he's, he fancied uh, having a crack it. I don't think before it was passed him, he was going to do the project, but he thought the script was so good he felt sort of compelled to get involved, I guess. And yeah, the guy you mentioned who plays the lead in Yosarin is Christopher Abbott. I think he really helps pull it through. I think it's, it's so much about that one character, isn't it, in terms of his conscience, his sort of bid for freedom, his, his hatred of the war, and that sort of balances out the scenes we see with with the planes, with the with the sort of shootings and that type of thing. If it wasn't for, for that, I think it would be quite heavy and also just a very long war film. So I think the, the comedy in it does help to balance it out. And, uh, yeah, you've got to like this certain type of drama or you've got to like war films probably, otherwise... It's gonna it's gonna be too heavy or, or too much to watch, really. But I, th- I definitely think there'll be an audience out there for this.
1: It's not very much for women to do in it. There's no strong female characters, are there?
2: No, it, it, as with Beacham House in that sense, yeah. There's there's, a, there's Nurse Duckett played by Tessa Ferrell, but other than that, there's very few female roles in it. Uh, to be fair to Clooney and the guys making it. Uh, haven't read the book you know that there aren't many female characters in it so so that's That's why i meant
1: it was a strange choice like i think it's a really slick cool uh, adaptation of that book i really like the humor they've put in it and and i think it's really sort of stunning to watch but i just think it's not a very modern story and if you look at the climate of the dramas that are being commissioned that people are watching it feels a bit of an anachronism in a way to me even though i think they've done a good job with it
2: yeah i mean it's a pretty classic book i think um just the fact that there's not a, a sort of classic adaptation for TV 8 there, I guess that's, that's why they thought it was worth a shot. But, I, yeah, I take your point. It, it doesn't feel like... It, we're not struggling for war films. There's been plenty of... You know, Dunkirk, there's been plenty of films around. It's not like... Um, this necessarily needed to be done but I think some people will be glad that he has done it
1: and it'll be interesting to see whether they can spin a second series out of it if it is successful because Handmaid's Tale reached its natural end continued Big Little Lies they finished the book in in the TV series and then they moved it on still Game of Thrones the same so you know it'll be interesting to see whether he thinks it has a life after that For our guest now, very, very pleased to say that Star of Ackley Bridge is in the studio, Joe Joyner. (laughs) Hi, Joe, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. So, we're picking up series three of Ackley Bridge. Where's Mandy when when we start? She is um, lightly pregnant, it gets heavier
3: and heavier throughout, (laughs) and in fact, it's huge towards the end. Um, So, she and she's running now uh, at the end of last series, at the end of series two. The, the trust took over the school, um, much to everybody's huge distaste. And so she is now—is uh, she in charge of her school? I'm not sure. It's now part of a, a big set of lots of academies, and uh, she fears that it's losing its
1: ethos because of it. And there's some new cast this series, particularly Rob James Collier caught my eye because a he's brilliant and everything, but B, <laughs> no, I think there's a bit of chemistry between your characters. Perhaps. There
3: is, but I mean, how much chemistry can you have when you've got a great big <laughs> bump in between the two of you. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, Robert James Collier uh, joins as our new deputy head, and uh, he is—he's fantastic to work with. He's a great actor, and um, he's kind of a little bit maverick as a teacher, which she she really likes. And there's also Charlie Hardwick who joins, uh, playing Sue, who's head of behaviour or something or behavioural management or something. Um, and she's hilarious because unknowingly she's um, basically casual racist, and you know she's shocking to be fair. It's, it's not. All hilarious. I just mean it is a really good balance because we have a lot of eye rolling, and uh, you know she'll say some really inappropriate
2: things, and it's good to have that balance actually in there. And what else have we got to look forward to? Because I think one of the things the series does really well is it it gets that sort of racial tension, and um, it doesn't really it sort of explores it in different ways to maybe other programs.
3: Yeah, it does. It was kind of the, the whole series was founded on on a, on a concept that did actually happen somewhere in Yorkshire where they. Um, They were finding that just the nature of the beast was that people moved near people they knew and consequently, and they went to the school nearest to them at the end of the road. And they were ending up with really quite segregated schools, secondary schools that were, you know, almost all white or almost all Asian. And it was dividing the community as well uh, as a consequence. So... In theory, in series one, we set the Academy up to bring the community together and to have a kind of 50-50 mix in our school. Um, and we, we based that round Poppy Lee Fryer and Amy Lee Hickman's um, characters, Missy and Naz, the two very close friends who grew up on the same street. Um, and we followed them all through the series. And it does. Yeah, it does. It, t- tension always kicks off at some or several points during our shows every year. Um, and it does this year again as well. Um I can't go into it too much because I might give things away. But what I can tell you is that it's a, it's a very emotional series this year because it's our third year. We joined with a lot of uh, year 10s or 11s and now at year 13 they're all leaving, going on to, you know, bigger and better lives perhaps or maybe not and making huge brave choices about their future. Naz, you know, wants to get into Oxford or does she? She's got a lot of pressure on her too and there's a nice little trip where Naz and Missy go to Oxford and seeing Missy with her, you know, pink fur and her nails in Oxford in that environment is quite funny she's uh, she's not sure what she thinks about it so yeah it's been quite an emotional series all in actually because even when we finished these are kids well young adults now that we've we've seen go through the ranks and it was it was sad to say goodbye to some of them
1: when you started this series, did you think it was going to get Series 3 and beyond or or did you think it was just going to be a one-off? Because obviously people were sort of comparing it to Waterloo Road and that went on for ages and ages. Mm.
3: You never really know with a series. You can be in something that's just fabulous and then it never goes again or equally something that feels quite mediocre and it runs. I mean, (laughs) who knows what the logic is. But I did know that uh, it was certainly something that hadn't been done before and that wasn't on and the time was really good for that to, to be on our screens for sure. And being on channel four it was always going to be slightly edgier than waterloo road and um a little bit more unique which i think it is um so i i never i never liked to bank on it but we all did definitely hope that it would and i'm not surprised that it has yeah
2: and do you think it could run and run could could we have a situation where we get a whole new you know group of pupils and, and you could keep it going
3: I absolutely do. I think um, those issues are always going to be there. And um, like I say, because your year 13s are leaving this year, we have introduced some new characters. We've got a little feisty little um, uh, Asian girl, Roxana, who's played by Phoebe. um, And she's got a lot to say. And her best mate, Spud, who um, has got a little secret, which will be revealed. So, you know, we're um, we're getting to know new families and new characters this year as well, so that that can go on and we'll hopefully want to watch their progress as much as we did the girls
1: and as an actor when you realize that you're gonna to have to have a series with increasingly large baby bumps do you just think oh my god or do you think oh it's fine i'm not gonna lie <laughs> as
3: soon as you read that you're pregnant your heart sinks <laughs> um, yeah because i think maybe because it shuts down a few little potential storylines sometimes and and closes things down a little bit um but it's also great to see a woman who is, you know, she's she's very much in denial, Mandy, really. She's such a career driven, you know, that school has been her baby, essentially. So it's quite interesting to see somebody who's really taking it to the wire. She's kind of forgotten she's pregnant, really. And they have to kind of remind her when she can't actually get up the stairs and do her job, that maybe she should have a bit of maternity leave before <laughs> before the baby comes. Um, so, you know, it's, it's nice. It's very real that she's still got... Um, Still got a ship to sail, hasn't she? And got to get on with things, regardless.
1: Mm. Yeah, because if you just filmed her from the shoulders up in episode one, you wouldn't know. There's no mention of it or anything. It's just no, the obvious. No, we
3: don't mention it. I, I did. I, I got in there and I asked props if they would just give me a little bottle of Gaviscon for my desk because I know that <laughs> things always get stressful for Mandy throughout this, and the, the school is always failing at some point. And I thought that's going to give her indigestion on a, a normal day, let alone when she's got. Um, <laughs> A great big bump. So, yeah, I, I've made a few little requests. So there are a few little things we put in. But apart from that, it's not, it's not a huge issue because, you know, it's not an issue. People have babies all the time, don't they? But it, it was fun. But I must admit, I'll tell you what, actually, the final bump, which was a very good bump and very well made, was, like most things in the shop, not really made for somebody who's five foot two. Um, <laughs> it's what I find, anyway. I'm, I'm quite good at taking up trousers now. Um, so uh, so this this bump, which is fantastic, was huge, but also made for a longer body. So I, I don't want to get too graphic, but the bottom of it really dug in, which was probably quite helpful from an acting perspective. But when you see me waddling about towards the end and not being able to sit down properly, it's actually true. <laughs>
2: Things like a pregnancy and big storylines like that, does does that help to keep the character interesting and make sure that you want to keep playing it perhaps for a long time?
3: I don't know if pregnancy is the most interesting one. I mean, if something interesting happens, maybe, but um, it, it's not one that I get hugely excited by. It's funny, isn't it? I think maybe I, I would get excited by it if we then explored something afterwards that is Interesting like maybe possibly not coping or wanting to go back to work and not being interested it's something you don't normally see um explored with it is is interesting
2: I, I guess I mean what is it about this character that maybe keeps you interested and you, t- you sound excited about it, potentially doing a series four what is it about her that you really like
3: i I'm, I'm interested for the show to be in series four for sure yeah. i don't know what mandy where she goes from here it will be uh, and absolutely exploring that whether she is still whether the school is still her baby, or whether she now has a baby she's not interested, or whether she's more interested than ever and more driven. I don't know. Uh, I don't know from Mandy's point of view, but I know that the school she uh, will definitely, I'm sure, go on to bigger and better things.
1: And obviously, you're working on the show with Sinette who You've been friends with forever. We saw you in No Angels together. Um, and Rob James Collar is known for being fun and for you know always being the the funny one is it good fun on set is he known for being fun that's funny see I didn't know
3: anything (laughs) about Rob before he came but we did laugh a lot I'm not going to lie there was there was one (laughs) one particular day where there is an argument with another new teacher that we have fantastic Ty Glazer comes in and she is replacing me for when I go on maternity leave although Mandy can't leave it alone so she's still interfering and turning up but uh there's a row that ensues I don't want to give anything away so we had this scene outside a house and her, Sean, the character, and her fiancé have to get out of the car angrily and, and approach me and Rob and Sam, who plays Corey. And the the car was parked in such a tight little gap that to get out of the car looked really awkward. This is not going to sound funny at all. It's one of those things where you had to be there. But once we'd all seen that on our reverse, we couldn't get it together. And actually, I was ADRing the scene the other day and I thought this is actually a really good, quite high-energy emotional scene. You know, Sam, Sam, certainly, everybody's giving it their everything. I thought, God, we really got away with that, considering that we were actually crying with laughter (laughs) for a a long, long time of that. Yeah, so actually, uh, Rob and I worked together quite a bit this series, but not a huge amount. We may work together more in the future, but I I do think we will laugh a lot. It could be dangerous, couldn't it, on the time schedule? (laughs)
1: Well, he was known because at the Downton Abbey launches oh, really? it was it long days for the actors and for the journalists it was a long day but he would always you'd look forward to interviewing him because it would always like make jokes and it would yeah. be fun and, he has he's yeah.
3: got a great energy he good sense of humour we've got a similar sense of humour actually so it's um yeah it was good fun and it, you know it's always worked uh, nice to work with Sinetra. Sinetras. um Character Kenese, who uh, we met as a dinner lady in series one, she gets a bit of a promotion this year. So there's even more of her and there's kind of more of her and Mandy as well, which was really lovely towards the end of the series, getting to see them because they're very different personalities. But they've got a a real mutual respect by the end of it. um, And she's around possibly when Mandy goes into labour, which is quite fun.
1: Do You actually get chance because you're not, you're not, not in that many scenes together. Um, do you get chance to actually hang we out? And-
3: the last two years, we hadn't been. We were probably in a total of two or three scenes. And this year, it was the first time we ever had a scene just the two of us, which was the first time in fifteen years. So that was quite funny. Um, but uh, yeah, we we definitely saw more of each other this year. And then Sinatra, Amy, and I all live next door to each other. And Rob and and Charlie actually were all in the same block of flats this year. So it was really really lovely. Yeah,
2: I think in the past. Um We've had a problem with uh, women getting TV roles as they tend to get older. It, and that I feel like that problem might be um, sort of ending or, or certainly not such a big problem. You've got this, you've obviously got a big daytime drama as, as well that you're in. Uh, are, you, are you finding there's still, still plenty of work?
3: Well, touch wood at the moment I am. I'm told that it all drops off, you know, and you know, it's not worth being around after you're 50, apparently. <laughs> by some, but you know what? I'm, I'm a really positive person. I, d- I don't think you can... Um, uh, I don't want to say that. I don't want to believe it. You you know, you've got to challenge those kind of ideas, haven't you, and conceptions? And what I do know is that from the 20 years that I've been doing it now, there are more um, women uh, who are producing and directing and execing and in charge of companies and things. And I think the more that that is a level playing field... Um, the more likely you are to have more positive roles and and less ageism in the industry for sure, and also the men are a lot more kind of um, you know he for she uh, feminists, so the ones that we're all creating now certainly the men I'm the little man I'm making is uh, so you know it's all positive. I'm I'm a real equalitist. I just want a level playing field, and I think that you know for sure. In the past, absolutely, They're, you know, you can look at a piece and see 12 men and three female parts and and you're alienating people then as well, aren't you? You know, I'm not as interested in watching all-male shows all of the time. If it's a brilliant show, of course, then fantastic. But I don't want to watch all-female shows as much either, really. I just want to watch
1: reality. Yeah, and I read that you were saying in an interview that the kind of parts you've been offered has changed as well in terms of it's less kind of... You know, just there for for show, almost. But they're more complex, and they're sort of just a bit meatier, actually. In
3: drama, possibly. I mean, in in comedy, it's always been a really lovely mixture, and it always will be. I think there's, you know, because looks matter less in comedy. In fact, you know, it's almost the reverse, isn't it? You you've got to be able to make fun of yourself and not worry about those things. But um yeah, certainly when I was a lot younger, you know, my mid twenties, you're blonde young actress so a lot of the time you're getting offered mistresses or you know it, and now i suppose i'm i'm getting a lot more mothers aren't
1: i at the moment <laughs> i mean it's just the nature of the beast maybe but um yeah But Jeff has sort of mentioned Shakespeare and Hathaway. People love it. Anyone I know watches it is obsessed with it. And we talked about it before, that it's just so feel-good and joyous and everything else is so depressing on telly. But it is, it's a real breath of fresh air, isn't it? It's
3: really, really lovely. I love doing it. And I'm about to start that again in September, hopefully, for the the third series. And I, I couldn't believe the reaction to that, actually, because I remember thinking... Well, it, it's it's not very cool. You know, when I started out in No Angels, I've done, you know, I, I've done, I used to do a lot of edgy northern stuff. And, you know, I like something with a bit of grit. All my theatre's been very sort of gritty. <laughs> and then this, this comes along and it's really quite sweet <laughs> and fun. And it made me really reassured, actually, the response I've had from Twitter and people how many nice people there are out there who genuinely just like don't want to watch such awful horrific horror and doom and gloom and actually quite like something that you know with their tea and with their kids that you can watch i've never been able to do watch stuff with my kids as you know I, we watch Actley now now that they're a bit older they can watch some of it but um yeah shakespeare and hathaway's really really fun and i'm really looking forward to doing that again
1: and yeah, I mean, it's probably not cool. That that probably is true. It's <laughs> but it's cool, got loads it? of but other amazing It's lovely things. and I love yeah. it. Yeah. And Mark's great as well. You seem to really get on. Yeah, we do. That's another
3: one. I've actually had to abandon him before to do a scene without me because we were running out of time and he made me laugh so much it's his fault um that when it came to his close-up he only had two lines left to say to me and I couldn't keep quiet enough on his reverse because I was just crying I was crying with laughter so I ended up having to I said look I will tell you what you just do it to the wall because <laughs> otherwise we're never going to finish or the crew are getting hungry and I'm um, I'll leave so yeah and we we laugh a lot on that and with Patrick as well we're um we're all very close and it's um it is a complete pleasure on that job yeah
2: what kind of other role would you like now then it sounds like that one's ticked off one yeah. sort of box would you like to like sounds like maybe you'd, you'd hark for something edgier maybe for in the new year yeah i like,
3: two two things i would love would be something a bit edgier I, I one of my favorite jobs i ever did was years and years ago i did a theater show called raw about a girl gang in Manchester. It was part of a street trilogy by Chris O'Connell. And it was, um, I loved it. We went to Edinburgh, we got a first on it. And we we toured then and we went to Manchester and got a nomination for Evening News. It was, it, it, but the part, I never came off the stage and she was this nasty scally. She was so misunderstood, but she'd obviously, she'd come from a very dark place and... I just, you know, spent the whole show beating people up and being very angry. And it's so different to the kind of mumsy characters that I've played, or, you know, anybody who's in charge and important and official, and um, that I would really love the chance to kind of tap into that again, um, because it's always nice to play something that's so removed from yourself. Something like that, or a period drama. Somebody was talking to me the other day about North and South. I met somebody who said, oh, I really love it. I watch it like once a year, I pull it out and have a watch. And I was thinking, God, yeah, I haven't haven't been in a big frock and then you know and not been able to swear for a long time so that'd be
2: nice (laughs) 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 what kind of stuff when you're relaxing what kind of stuff do you watch would it be edgier stuff or period dramas
3: yeah i mean we've got it's great at the moment isn't it because we've got killing eve uh chernobyl uh, years and years i could talk about that forever that's just blowing me away Uh, russell t davis is just genius and wonderful and it's terrifying to watch isn't it so at the moment, those are the kind of things I'd be watching. I've just finished Chernobyl. I haven't started Killing Eve because I'm waiting for a, a clear few nights where me and my husband can sort of watch three at a time. Um, and, well, what else is there? There's something else. I've I've lost Handmaid's Tale now. I've done the first series, but I'm not sure I've got time to catch up on the rest of it. I may have fallen off that big little lies that was it you're right now see I'm waiting for those to build up because I, there's no point in me watching one this is the way we watch things now isn't it we just binge watch there's no point in me watching one because I'll just be frustrated by next week so we're letting them build up a little bit and then we're going to go on that as well yeah Meryl
1: Streep is amazing
3: yeah so so good I've heard yeah. oh, I, I can't wait I mean what yeah, it's just fierce isn't it what a brilliant show I loved it last year
1: brilliant Well, lots to look forward to but thank you so much for coming into the series link studio Joe. it's been really fun thanks to chat for, to for having you. me Thanks very much to Joe. You can catch Ackley Bridge. It starts Tuesday night, 8 o'clock on Channel 4. So in honour of Love Island, which goes on and on, whether I want it to or not, uh, our big question this week, Jeffers, is, is what or who are the best couple on TV ever? What would you say?
2: I think a lot of people would probably say Rachel and Ross from Friends, wouldn't they? But It's quite a boring answer. I feel Come like on, you can a, do better than that. I feel that. like it's a boring answer, so I'm not going to do that i was been thinking a lot about Gavin and Stacey recently as well I was back filming soon That I think they'd be you know, worthy winners but they're, bit,
1: they're, not, they're like the least interesting thing in their own programme though As yeah. much as I like them But you know, they don't get the best lines today
2: But I think after some consideration I'm going to go for Tim and Dawn from The Office Yes, great you had, choice You had that kind of will they, won't they for so long And then it was only right at the end it really kind of happened I think the whole nation rejoiced Certainly like, millions and millions of us were really happy When they got together And you can sort of imagine them in re- you know, still being together now
1: Let's talk about some more telly now. Crystal Maze is back for another series with Richard Ayoade. I'm absolutely loving this remake of Crystal Maze. I was a bit unsure when they said they were going to bring it back without Richard O'Brien, but I think Ayoade has been fantastic. Jeffers, I don't think you've been as loyal to the, to the format as I have. So you watch this, this new episode. with Who's in it, first of all?
2: I mean, it's a great, great lineup, to be honest with you. You've got Arj and Gemma Collins together. working working together but also arguing on there like, you know, like a sort of couple would. Carol Vorderman, a stand-up I really like called Ellie Taylor, and Rick Edwards. And it's a really nice combination of people. Um, Gemma takes charge, as you would expect. Arch sort of gets pushed around a lot, and... It, it's just very funny that yeah the host, as you say, is is, is really good at um, reacting to to Gemma and and sort of puts her in a place which not many people can do and and I, I just found this one probably the most enjoyable thing I've watched all week. It's not something I'm going to go back and watch again and again, but it, you just sort of relax into it and I, I just it was just a lot of fun.
1: It's fun and a lot of quiz shows become very try hard and very sort of caught up in their own mythology. Like remember when I used to watch Deal or No Deal, they took it so seriously and you're like. It's luck. Whether you open that box or not, there's no strategy no whatever. You know, it's just luck. And this is much more fun. It kind of knows what it is. I've always loved the crystal maze. What other show on TV has an Aztec zone. That's all I need to say. Like, this is brilliant, brilliant telly. And when they get the right celebrities on there, and actually even when they don't, it's actually almost better if it's a celebrity. If you're thinking, I hate the GC, She's irritating. You'll love this because he totally lays into her, like particularly when she's playing the games or when she's trying to support other people. Not even to her face, he's talking to camera about how weird she is and weird her voice is. So, and but not in a mean way. He gets this; it's quite clever how he gets this tone where he's ripping out of them. But in some way, it feels. (laughs) Friendly.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you, and you get to see them also. Unwittingly, I think the slebs are in some very weird and wonderful sort of positions. Rick Edwards is sort of covered in gunk, swinging around on some sort of, almost like a sort of playground swing, looking quite idiotic. But because it's part of the game, he sort of gets involved. Um, you've got Arch trying to do a challenge. Not, not designed for him. Yeah, and also he just he, he shows he's not got perhaps the, the highest IQ out there, and, and he's sort of trying to take directions and something from the others, and Gemma's sort of shouting as if he's perhaps three miles away. And you've got her <laughs> in almost every is sort of bellowing stuff out that, which uh, everyone takes the mick of, and that yeah, it's just really great great fun, yeah
1: but it's right what you say that it's one of the most enjoyable things you'll watch in a little while because it's just it's really good fun. So if you haven't seen this version before, it's basically the same as the original. It's just with a slightly different host. It's slightly more piss-takey, maybe. There's a new but zone
2: as well, isn't there? there is, so for theres
1: this, For this series, there's like an Asian zone. I don't really understand why they've done that, but why not? It doesn't really detract from anything else that's going on. I think it's really good fun. Let's talk about another Channel 4 show as well. Uh, this new comedy actually started last week, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Year of the Rabbit. And this is another Matt Berry production, very similar to all Matt Berry stuff, I would say. Jeff has set it up a little bit for us.
2: Yeah, so uh Matt Berry is playing the lead character as well, Detective Inspector Eli Rabbit, but just known as Rabbit really in this, and he's sort of going around trying to solve crimes in Victorian London. It's it's not very taken very seriously in terms of how he solved them. His character's quite a sort of crazy Victorian guy, one eyebrow drinks from about 9am in the morning and just sort of bumbles around trying to solve stuff it's it's very chaotic the gags are very fast paced it's, it's very sweary as well to be honest with you if, if you don't like loads of swearing then it's probably not for you but I really enjoyed it it's it's, it's very rapid fire and even if some of the jokes don't land for you it, it, you know one of them is going to in the next sort of 60 seconds so I really enjoyed it I don't know what you what you made of it do you find it funny?
1: Well, it's funny because I uh, watch Ripper Street quite, um, quite a lot for work, and also quite liked it as well. And it is set in exactly that same time. So although it's not a particular, it's not particularly taken on Ripper Street. It's taken exactly that era of London. Elephant Man's in it, and it's kind of that same kind of time and vibe and spirit, that kind of thing. I just think I've seen Matt Berry do stuff before, and this is exactly the same thing again. And I know lots of people would level that at someone like Ricky Gervais as well, but I actually think something like Afterlife, you can see a real progression and a real difference between that and The Office. Whereas this, I don't know, I just think it's the same, it's exactly the same as kind of brand of humour as Toast and all the other stuff he's done. And I know it's a totally different situation, but just putting a bowler hat on it doesn't make it new to me. I, I just think it's it's still the same thing. Don't, don't you?
2: Well, I, I I just think if you like this sub funeral, you like it. If you don't, you don't. So I think what you're saying is probably true. I think there's an audience there that probably like all of Matt's Berry stuff so fine, so I think they'll, they'll probably like this too. The other thing that's quite clever, I think, is Matt's got a lot of um, celebrity guests coming in, so Keely Halls we see at the very end of episode one. I think she's going to be in it for at least an episode. Jill Halfpenny later on. We've got Paul Kay in the first one, it takes a nice comic turn. So I think it's going to be good variety, and maybe it's going to be mixed up in that sense, and hopefully that's going to give the, the variation, I guess, is what, what you're looking for, I suppose.
1: Now it's time once again to add to the list of box sets to watch before you die. As you know already, each week one of our favourite faces from the telly tells us a must-see series. Last week it was Matthew Wright. He chose Still Game, slightly divisive choice. This week it's the turn of Gabby Logan. This is her box set to watch before you die. Hi, my name's Gabby Logan and the box set that I am recommending is Money Heist.
2: Señores,
0: acabamos de entrar en aguas internacionales. It is
1: Spanish, you can watch it with subtitles or you can watch it with dubbed American accent. I recommend watching the subtitles. I love it because it's an amazing story and it's beautifully shot. And it's set uh, in one location, uh, pretty much. I won't give too much away, um, but it's just so different. And also, because there are lots of Spanish actors we've never seen before, it feels very fresh, a brilliant use of music. Uh, Go and have a look. Oh, interesting one from Gabby there. Uh, an obscure Netflix Spanish uh, drama, Money Heist. Jeffers, you've been checking this out.
2: Yeah, Gabby inspired me, so I, I watched it. And she's onto something. Else. This is really good. Um, it's actually not quite as obscure as I thought. It, it actually won an Emmy, in, an international Emmy, albeit, at, in 2018. The third series is going to come out um, this week on Netflix. It's basically all around a, a big heist in Spain. Um, there's a criminal mastermind called The Professor. He pulls together a team to uh, basically print billions of euros in the Royal Mint in Spain. So it's like a heist, but with a difference, because they're not really stealing anything. They're just going to print the money themselves. It's a bit sort of Ocean's Elevensy in that sense, but what I'm sensing from watching a couple of episodes is there's more narrative in terms of the characters. There's going to be sort of fights between them. There's love lives between them. And you sort of follow the heist in in great detail. It is um, subtitled. I think that's obviously will put some people off. But uh, again, I think Gabby's probably right to not go with the... The dub's version, it's sort of American accents and it grates a bit in terms of the plot you're watching on screen. I think keep the Spanish on and and watch the subtitles and and get it that way. But it's really interesting, quite gripping. I've only watched a couple of episodes, but I think I'm going to watch some more.
1: Is it anything like Hustle? Because I loved Hustle
2: a little bit maybe the the characters involved are, are slightly different I think it's probably a bit more international than Hustle this guy the professor is putting together this team and they're from all over Europe and um, they're all given names uh, of cities so the, the main character is uh, Miss Tokyo it's an actress called Ursula Delgado she's, she's big in Spain again I've, to be honest I've not heard of her before but it's sort of narrated through her character it, it all goes through her so it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's that similar to the Hustle I, is I it find... glossy or is it gritty no it's glossy yeah and it's, it's more sort of a uh, a bit of violence, bit of love, you know, that sort of thing, and, um, and it's just sort of all centred around this huge ambitious plan and it's, it's such a big heist, um, as, as you would sense, uh, that, that clearly it is going to take many hours to, to, work, to show what actually happens and there's lots of flashbacks because they've spent five months all together preparing for it, and I, I imagine during that time there's lots of ups and downs, and so it, it feels a little bit like soap opera in that sense with the flashbacks, but then you've got the big sort of dramatic moments where there's violence, people being shot, that kind of thing, so yeah, it's a real a mixed bag and it's, yeah, it's quite captivating to watch.
1: OK, great. Nice one, Gabby. Nice and obscure. I'm going to go check that out. Gabby's actually in France at the moment for the Women's World Cup, which is all over the BBC, TV, radio and online. She'll be presenting England's final group game against Japan on Wednesday on BBC One from 7.30. And there'll be another box set to watch before you die next week. So we're nearly out of time for this week's episode but don't worry Jeffers fans I have not forgotten as ever we need to scan across our EPGs hazard a little guess at what we'll be talking about not just next week but also next month and next year you ready Jeffers? I'm ready okay here we go what's coming up next
2: week Next week, is all about Glastonbury, I think. Even if you're not going, the coverage on the BBC generally is really, really good. For three days, it's on BBC One, Two, online and radio. It's all across it, really. The Killers are playing Who I know you like, Emma. The Cure, Stormzy, Kylie Minogue, Janet Jackson. And there's a whole range of hosts as well. You've got Hugh Edwards, Joe Wiley, Lauren Laverne, Zoe Ball. So I think that'll be a lot of fun.
1: Holding out for a Kylie and Stormzy duet. That is, that is the dream. What about next month?
2: Next month is This Way Up. It's a new comedy coming to Channel 4. Um, Ashling B and Sharon Horgan. Ashlyn's playing a teacher. She's struggling to sort of put her life back together. Sharon's the sister, the worried sister. And, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a departure. It's Ashlyn's first thing that I think she's written for Channel 4. And quite interested to see how that turns out.
1: Fantastic. And what about next year?
2: Next year, well, Rob Brydon put a picture on social media this week, which I got very excited about. And it's been confirmed as well now. They are going to do a new The Trip yeah. with Steve Coogan. Um, they're in Greece Um, I'm told that it's going to be early early 2020 we're going to see it so not too long to wait so as we as we sort of do this now I'm sure they're tucking into another amazing meal and doing loads of impressions so I can't wait to see more of that
1: so lots of Michael Cain over feta cheese then that's that's the kind of thing we can be looking forward to brilliant loads for us to keep an eye on there that's all we've got time for for this week this has been the series linked podcast thank you for listening if you've enjoyed it we really hope you have please go on do it do it this week give us a five star rating and a little review if you'd be so kind and make sure you've subscribed as well so the next episode is ready and waiting for you when it drops next tuesday for now though bye bye see ya